Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 38. Now, when all the people were baptised, and when Jesus also had been baptised and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Matthias, the son of Semin, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Risa the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosum, the son of Elmandad, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Elachim, the son of Meli, the son of Mena, the son of Mattatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nashon, the son of Aminabab, the son of Admin, the son of Ani, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sarug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eba, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Aphaxed, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Good morning, everyone. The rain's... Steadied, steadied. All right, well, sometimes when we read in the Bible, we, we're actually left with some unanswered questions. And sadly, and, and shame on us, uh, we preachers have a nasty habit of always wanting to appear as if we are very knowledgeable and have all, all the answers. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We don't. Uh, and today is a case in point. So today is about the baptism of Jesus. And the question that immediately comes to mind is, why did Jesus need to be baptised? I mean, as we learnt last week, the baptism of John the Baptist is about repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And we know that Jesus is sinless, so why did he need to be baptised? He didn't have any sins to repent of, didn't need to be baptised for that. And in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus comes to be baptised, John the Baptist says... No, I, I can't be baptising you. You should be baptising me. And Jesus basically says, suck it up, cuz. This has to be done. It has to be done to fulfil all righteousness. What does that even mean? And, well, you might want to dock my pay a bit this week because your preacher has no idea. I, I don't know what it, he meant by that. 
In the Gospel of Mark, he doesn't tell us anything about why Jesus was baptised. And in Luke, which we read just before, um, he says very little about the actual baptism. And the focus for Luke is on what happened while Jesus was praying after he was baptised. So we do not know why Jesus was baptised. But I can give you a couple of positives that came out of it. The first positive is it endorsed the ministry of John the Baptist. People pay attention to what Jesus did. And even for you guys, as disciples of Jesus, people pay attention to what you and I do. Um, And so for myself, some folk might wonder, Michael, why don't you go to to every church function that that, that different churches host in town? And I'll tell you the reason why I don't go to them all. It's because... Certain church leaders have a tendency to teach stuff that's not biblical and it's not the teaching of Jesus and can be quite deceptive. And my presence there, some people might read as, oh, it must be all right, Michael's there, he must agree with it, so therefore it's all okay. Um, So when Jesus submitted himself to be baptised, he became an example for others and he was rubber stamping the, the, the ministry of John the Baptist. This is good ministry. Get, get on board with this. But he became an example for others. Baptism um, is a committing of oneself to a new relationship with God. Uh, for Jesus, his baptism was marking the beginning of his ministry. We're told he was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. And Jesus, submitting himself to baptism... There's a lesson there that every one of us can learn from this. We all need to be baptised. Um, right? So some folk, they might sort of have a feeling, yeah, well, I've, I've lived a pretty good life. You know, I don't, I don't get drunk and I, I don't beat my wife too many times and I, I don't kick the cat and I'm not a thief. So, you know what, I think baptism is really for those people who have a big change, whereas me, I, I don't think I really need to be baptised. Yes, you do. Because there's a fair bit of pride right there in that statement that I just gave there. Um, And that's something that needs to be repented of. And if baptism is something that even Jesus submitted himself to, well, that's good enough for me to then understand that every single one of us need to be baptised. So it validated the ministry of John. Um, Get on board with this. But that was also a very important thing as well, just that the actual validation of John's ministry because not everybody was happy with John. And we'll see that um, as we get further into the gospel. We'll see that some of the religious leaders really didn't like uh, what John was doing. So that was one positive. The second positive of Jesus' baptism is his identification with humanity. When Jesus was born as a babe in the manger, that was the beginning of his life as a human. Well, actually, let's back it up a bit. Um, Before he was born, as he was an embryo in his mother's womb, that was the beginning of his life as a human. See, Jesus did not come as God all dressed up in a fancy disguise as a human. Jesus is God who actually became human. He stepped down from his throne room of heaven... And he became fully human. And so as a baby, I have no doubt that Jesus did what babies do. Everything that babies do. 
I have no doubt that the Holy One would have been soiled in his own excrement as he dirtied his nappies. Imagine that, stepping down from the holiness of heaven to be in your own excrement. I have no doubt that the one who, who, was the prop, who is the provider and provides everything that we need, he was the one who would cry out at the top of his lungs just so he gets his mum's attention, I need a feed. And I have no doubt that the one who heals is the one who also ran a mild fever while he was teething. See, this is what it means for Jesus to become fully human. Jesus was God who came down to earth as man does, beginning as the most helpless of young. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but out of, out of all of the animal kingdom, you know, for those who say that humans are animals, and humans are supposed to be the pinnacle of the animal kingdom, I cannot think of another animal whose young are so helpless and for so long. Can you? I can't think of anything human child would have to be the most helpless of young and for the longest period. So he stepped down to earth and became the most helpless. He had all of the normal human weaknesses. And that's what that very long genealogy was about. You know, so-and-so, the son of thingamajig, the thingamahoosamewatsit, the son of old mate. It, it starts off with Joseph who was the supposed father of Jesus. But Luke leaves us in no doubt. Jesus, Joseph was not Jesus' father. Joseph was his stepdad. But even so, God had Jesus firmly placed into an earthly family. It was important for him to have a family, the same as all men do and all women do, a family who had a heritage, a, and, of course, our family heritage, it comes with a whole lot of baggage, doesn't it? Some of it positive, some of it negative. Our family heritage can be filled with achievements and filled with failures. And he was placed into a family in the line of David. And there's some pretty ugly, twisted branches on that, in that line of David. So Jesus had the full experience. Now, I sort of compare this to... I shake my head at the world's celebrities... Right, So a celebrity might fly in on their private jet to a third world country to visit an orphanage. And then they'll have a photo op with these few little gorgeous cute children. And, and then they might get a little video clip of them dishing out some gruel, very selflessly, mind you, dishing out some gruel to, to, um, to all the starving masses. And, and then they, after they've finished with that, they uh, hop into their luxury Range Rover and drive back to the airstrip where they hop back onto their luxury private jet. And as they sit down, their private chef, who's prepared a meal for them while they away, dishes it up to them while they fly home to their mansion. And they pat themselves on the back and they felt, well, we've really identified with the world's poor today, haven't we? And the world knows that we care for the world's poor. Seriously. People do this. And the media lap it up. When Jesus came to planet Earth, he wasn't like a celebrity looking for a photo op. When Jesus came to planet Earth, he became fully human and he entered life as one of us. So, I don't know why Jesus was baptised, but there's two positives that I can identify from his baptism. 
One, he sets the example. We all need to be baptised. And two, it's part of Jesus being fully human. Now, having said that, for Luke, Jesus getting baptised isn't the highlight. Luke focuses on what happened after the baptism. Right? So Jesus, after the baptism, Jesus was praying. And the heavens were open. Now, I wonder what that looks like. Or did it even look like anything? Like we, we sort of, if we try to picture it, we probably think of the clouds parting and, and the beams of bright sunlight streaming down and the golden or silver edges of the clouds. If that's heaven opening, I've seen it lots of times, and so have you. But I, I don't know if it's something that people could see or, or whether it was just a statement, the heavens opened. And verse 22 says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Right? This is something that could be seen. That's what it means when he says the Holy Spirit came in bodily form. Now, does that mean that the Holy Spirit came down like a, like a bird and landed on Jesus' shoulder like a parrot sits on a pirate's shoulder? I don't know. Or when I read this, I think back to the beginning of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, right? So the very second verse in the Bible tells us at this point that the earth was without form and it was void and the darkness was over the face of the deep, right? So that it's covered in water and it's all just dark. And it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Now, in, in the Hebrew, the, the word is actually akin to fluttering, Right? So the Spirit of God was fluttering over the surface of the waters. So I sort of think of that when it talks about him coming like a dove. Is that what it means? I don't know. Or did the Holy Spirit just glide down gracefully like a dove and land on Jesus? We don't know. What we do know is at that point, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in a new and visible way. But that's not the climax either. The climax is the voice of God. The voice of God comes from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Yeah, Jesus is fully human. But he's more than that. He is also the beloved son of our God. Righto, Michael, what's in it for me? Pardon? What's in it for me? Does there need to be something in it for me? What were you hoping to get out of the message today? Why have you come to church? Well, let me put it like this. For what reason might an unbeliever decide to set foot in this church today? What do you think might bring them? Now, I've told you, I'm missing a fair few answers to questions we have today in this Bible reading. But what are people looking for? Right, so some might turn up at church kicking the tyres, just see what's this religious thing about. Some might come looking for something. Some might come looking for healing. Some might come looking for hope. Some might have trouble coping with their everyday life and, and they're, they're just wanting something that's going to help them to cope. 
Or somebody, their marriage might be falling apart and they want it fixed and they think, well, maybe a bit of religion might do that. Or someone might be miserable and depressed and they might come thinking, I need something that's going to fix me. Give me a bit of joy in my life. Or, or someone might come because they're filled with anxiety and they just worry all the time and they just want to be able to breathe easy. Or some might come because they want to be lifted to a higher plane so they can excel in life. And so they might be looking for a great motivational talk where they might be able to get some really great advice for living. You know what? If I'm preaching on today's Bible reading, I've got none of that to offer to you today. Because guess what? The Bible reading isn't about you. And it's not about me. What's revealed today is completely about Jesus. What if? What if someone came to church today focused on themselves? What if you came to church today focused on yourself, focused on on your own needs or your own problems? And what if... What if instead of hearing about you, you were confronted with the climax of human realisation, Jesus is the Son of God? What are the ramifications of that? This is life-changing stuff. Jesus is not simply just a nice man who lived 2,000 years ago and started a movement that still does nice things today. Jesus is the author and creator of life. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He is the saviour. He is the redeemer. And as we learned last week, Jesus is the judge who when he returns every single person who has ever lived will have to face. And when Jesus returns, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Not just every Christian. Every person's knee will bow on that day. Now the thing is, some knees will willingly bow and others will go, oh no, what have I done? See, if I come to church all focused on myself, wondering what's in it for me, I reckon that would be like visiting the Grand Canyon and being at the lookout and watching selfies on my phone. Oh, here's me with my wife. Here's me with my grandchildren. Here's me with my 38 Super. Here's me tormenting a cat. Here's me patting a cat. When did I ever do that? It's, oh yes, there's me. Imagine doing that as the sun is setting over one of the most amazing views in the world. I mean, that's what this would be like. Today is a reminder, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And it should be like this every day. Now, for some, it mightn't be a reminder. For some, this could be a discovery. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. 
And if everything is about Jesus, what then? What's the appropriate response? How could it be anything but total surrender to our Lord? And we worship him. Now, sometimes we get the impression that worship is about having a moment. Might be having a moment in a nice place. Might be having a moment during a song, losing ourselves in the music as we get carried along. Well, let me tell you, if that's what worship is, the godless are very good at worship because they can be moved very well by music and by all sorts of things. That's not worship. It can be part of worship. But true worship is a life surrendered to God. Not just, not just an hour, not just 20 minutes, not just a few thoughts or a few moments. It is a life surrendered to God. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Jesus told us to worship in spirit and in truth. What is worshiping in spirit? It tells us right here. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And then it goes on to basically give a picture of what this means. And it's a picture of repentance, which is what we talked about last week. He tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by a renewal of your mind. That's the picture of repentance that we're talking about last week. And that is the sort of worship that God is looking for. That's the sort of worship that Jesus Christ has the right to receive because he is the Son of God. Where are you at with God? Have you been caught up in the what's in it for me movement? And have you come to the understanding it's not about me, it's all about Jesus? Maybe today is a day for repentance, a day of total surrender, a time to make life all about Jesus. Because if Jesus is God, what else could our life rightly be about? As Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, yeah, the kingdom of God, it's like a hidden treasure. If you, if, you, if you find this hidden treasure, you'll go up and sell everything else you've got to go and get that one hidden treasure. This is what he's talking about here. A day of repentance, total surrender, because it's all about Jesus. Will you pray with me? And I do not want you to pray this prayer unless you are serious about it. It's going to be a prayer that recognises it's all about Jesus Christ being Lord. It'll be a prayer of repentance, a repenting of our focus on self, and it'll be a commitment to a life of total surrender to Jesus. Will you pray that prayer with me?
And let me add to that. If you're going to pray a prayer like this um, and you are not yet baptised, I encourage you, you need to be baptised and come and talk to me about it and we'll, we'll look into that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we recognise that you are indeed the Son of God. Forgive us for if we've ever treated you as just another man. Forgive us for when we've been focused on self, focused on our own problems, our own issues, our own dreams and ambitions, our, our own feelings of fulfilment or whatever. We recognise that you are the Lord God Almighty. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we yield to you in total surrender. We repent. We turn around. We change our whole lives. And this isn't just for a moment. We commit to a life of total surrender to you. And we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you will change us, renew us, transform us, day by day to your glory. Amen.